hyperventilating, you know, he's, and we hadn't even gotten on the plane yet, you know, and, and he's just this tall drink of water, uh, Mario, the skinniest guy, tallest guy there, and uh, so we go to Burbank, you know, and Burbank is kind of a, a, kind of a smaller place, and big bay windows, so you could see the southwest plane come in, and and you have the, you go onto the tarmac. There's no hermetically sealed chute, so you got to climb up those stairs to get to the front, or you can actually go up to the back too. And so our plane comes in, and I'm telling Mario, "There's our plane." You know, it's early in the morning. Hee hee. And so I think I'm going to call the paramedics on this guy. And um, so everybody gets off the plane, and then I watch as our two two of the flight attendants, females, have you know uh, big cups of Starbucks coffee, and they're clumping up the stairs front stairs to the plane at Burbank, to this, our plane. And uh, Mario goes, when are we going to board the plane? And I go, well, um, as soon as they sober up the pilots, um, <laughs> there, there they go now. <laughs> All right, maybe I sh shouldn't have said that, you know. <laughs> anyway, I should tell you that Mario is a, one of the most tattooed individuals who has ever worked at Homeboy. Uh, just totally sleeved out, as we say. And neck filled with tattoos and forehead, all but just kind of a little area here that is the eyes, nose, and the mouth, but everything covered in tattoos. And I had never been in public with him, so we're walking, you know, in the airport, and people are kind of doing this, you know, and, and mothers are vaguely clutching their kids a little more closely, you know, and I think, well, isn't that interesting, because Mario is about the kindest, most gentle, uh, angelic, really, gang member I've ever met. And I think anybody who knows them would agree. Though the packaging might, you know, suggest otherwise. So, uh, and he was just so effusively kind and gentle. And he's just extraordinary, effusive, you know. And even on the plane where he was so terrified, you know, a flight attendant would hand him peanuts, you know. And, and he wouldn't just take them and he wouldn't just thank her. He'd grab her hand and he'd look her in the eye like he was the only one being given peanuts on this flight. And he'd say... Thank you so much. With this kind of intensity, and I, it was just something to behold. He was like that the whole trip. So as happens, you know, when you go, and, and I presume this won't just happen at Gonzaga, but other places, you get there, and they tell you you have one talk. And then you get there, and you discover you have nine talks, you know? <laughs> and it's class, class, lunch, class, meeting, class, class. And, and I think, well, okay, I'm not going to give these talks. I'll give, give the big one. But you guys give these talks. And, and they were nervous because they'd never told their stories. And, and so then they practiced telling them. You know, and I sat in the back of the room and stories of uh, great hardship and abandonment and rejection and torture and abuse. And honest to God, if their stories were flames, you'd have to keep your distance. Otherwise, you'd get scorched. Well, finally, the nighttime came, and it was a huge thing. It was like a thousand people and uh, folks, students sitting on the floor and standing room only. It was in direct violation of fire code, you know. And, and I told them, I said, You're, you, you told your story so well. I'll do my little 45-minute thing. But then I want you guys to get up and do a little five-minute snapshot so I can include you in the question and answer. And, and Mario in particular was kind of nervous about this. Uh, and so I do my thing, I have 45 minutes, and they each get up and give a five-minute snapshot. And so, okay, questions. And so uh, a woman over here stands, and she says, yeah, I have a question. It's for Mario. 
first question out the gate is for Mario. And he stands up to the microphone, you know, big tall guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's terrified, you know, that all the spotlight's on him. And she goes, well, you say you're a father and that you have a daughter and a son and they're both about to enter their teenage years. What wisdom do you impart to them? You know, what advice do you give them? And Mario stood there and he closed his eyes and he just was getting a hernia trying to come up with whatever the answer was until he finally blurted out, I just... And as soon as he says that, it, he, it catches and he gets emotional and he can't speak and he buckles under the weight of it. And then through his tears he says, I just don't want my kids to turn out to be like me. And there's silence. Until the woman who asked the question stands up. And she gets very emotional. But determined. Why would you not want your kids to turn out to be like you? You are loving. You are kind. You are gentle, you are wise. I hope your kids turn out to be like you. And a thousand people stand, and they will not stop clapping. And all Mario can do at the microphone is hold his face in his hand, so overwhelmed that this room full of strangers had decided to return him to himself. And I think that is the only praise God has any interest in. One last story and then I'll uh, maybe open it up for questions. Everybody, I'll anticipate a question. People always ask me about homies, enemies working together. And it's tense at first, you know, a homie will come in and say, I'm ready, I want to work here. And I'll say, well, okay, I have an opening in the bakery, but you have to work with X, Y, and Z. And I rattle off the names of enemies. And the homie will sit there, and he'll think, and he'll say, okay, I'll work with him, but I'm not going to talk to him. You know, it used to bother me in the early days until you discover that it's impossible for human beings to demonize people they know. You really can't pull that off or you really can't sustain it. So I had a homie, uh, everybody called him Youngster, a uh, little tiny guy from this, the gang, and I thought he was ready to work at our place. So I bring him to the homeboy um, Silkscreen, which is our biggest business, been around for about 19 years. Um, Hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of gang members have worked their way through there in the last two decades. Uh, huge thing. We have 2,500 customers, uh, high quality work, reasonably priced. We uh, FedEx, uh, uh, we UPS ourselves to Anaheim Hills. So if uh, anybody <laughs> And so I walk him in uh, and I introduce him to, uh, you know, all his coworkers. And uh, I watch him as he shakes hands uh, with all the 30 guys with whom he's about to work. 
and he looks him straight in the eyes, and he shakes hands even with his enemies, and they think, wow, this is great. Until he gets around the bend.